welcome to the Love, Heal, Thrive podcast. I'm your host, Erin Gray, and today I interview Nancy Collier, the author of The Emotionally Exhausted Woman, and together we dive into this amazing conversation on how to get your needs met and how to find your way back home to you. Our conversation is powerful and poignant, and I'm so excited to share with you today. Let's get started. Well, today we have an amazing guest with us. I'm so excited. Today we have Nancy Collier, who is the author of The Emotionally Exhausted Woman. And I actually um, came to know her by way of this incredible Psychology Today article that I had read that just so profoundly touched me that I not only shared it on my Love Heal Thrive page, but I also personally texted my most favorite couples with uh, her article that was all about being curious in a relationship. And in fact, one of our relationship teachers at Love Heal Thrive then wrote back to me and said, this is so 100% right on that often men in relationships cheat because they feel like their woman is no longer interested. And so by staying curious in relationships, you then maintain this delicious, juicy relationship. And so that is how I came to know Nancy is through actually this article. And, um, and now I'm so excited to share with you her incredible book that she just released. And I think it will be so helpful for you in learning how to get your needs met and how to feel, to live a life that is thriving and and full of love and self-love. So Nancy herself has an incredible bio. She is a psychotherapist, interfaith minister, and uh, the author of many books, but her latest is The Emotionally Exhausted Woman, Why You're Feeling Depleted and How to Get What You Need. And she has been featured on Good Morning America, the New York Times, and countless other media. Nancy, I am so, so happy you are here. And I can't wait to dive into this incredible book that has lots of great recommendations that I think is so necessary right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that lovely introduction. I am also delighted to meet you and talk to your audience. And I agree with you. I wrote it because I think it's incredibly timely. Maybe mm. it, maybe it's always been timely, but it certainly is being recognized as timely now. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. What, what inspired you first to write this book? Is there, it, does this come from a personal, uh, other than this culture and this time, is there a personal story that um, inspired you to write this book? Well, you know, I've been working with women primarily for nearly 30 years. Mm -hmm. And over those years, I've heard similar words used again and again by women. And these are women that are doing well in their life. These are women that are actualized to some degree. Words like depleted and, you know, tired down to my bone marrow, Mm -hmm. tired of giving tired of being what everybody needs me to be and not receiving whatever it is that I need that I don't even know I need. And I've heard these kind of descriptions so frequently that I write about what I see. And of course, I saw that with my women friends. I saw that in my own life. And, you know, when I first started floating this idea to women friends and other people, 
um, about the idea of a book on emotional exhaustion, every single woman said, oh, my God, when do I, I need that book now? <laughs> and this was before I had written the outline, you know, and and, you know, if you want to make a woman cry, all you have to do is ask her who's taking care of you. Mm-hmm. It's the only question. And most women are brought to their knees. So these sorts of, you know, ongoing experiences are in really caught my ear, caught my eye, and caught my curiosity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny, probably the original seed of this book might have even been planted when I was a really young therapist. And I remember, I never forgot her, but there was a woman, Miranda, who came to see me, fantastic woman, really connected, really delightful, delicious, lovely person. And she was becoming resentful of how everyone in her life got such great care. Mm. She actually seemed to receive nothing. And yet this was the system that she had set up, that she was everything to everybody. She knew who she was in all of her roles, but she had no idea who she was separate from her roles, the roles she played. Mm-hmm. And she said something in that first session that always stayed with me, which was, I want a bolder and more authentic life. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking this woman was a an ER physician. She had kids. She had a husband. She had great friends. She was involved in the community, right. blah, blah, blah. But to everyone know, else, it looked like a bold yes. and authentic life. Yeah. But then she said to me something after that. She said, um, but I want that bolder and more authentic life, even if it means not being so reliably likable. <laughs> and, and that, wow, right? right? Took my breath away. Took my breath away. I thought that was so. And then she followed the last thing she said that I never forgot was, I want a life that's mine, even if it means that everybody everybody doesn't describe me as so great. Mm. Well, and I think that that is so brave because, uh, and you touch upon this so beautifully in your book, the likability and that we are, our acceptance, the primal need for acceptance comes from what we believe is this place of likability and that we are liked. And I just think it, it requires such courage to, um, and I don't know why it requires so much courage to um, believe that we could still be accepted and not be liked at the same time because it, they seem to go together. <laughs> For women, you know, we're conditioned from the moment we're born to be selfless, to take care of others, and that our primary value is in how well we take care of other people. Mm-hmm. And then that all heavy conditioning, heavy, heavy reward for that translates into this incredible drive to, as you said, be likable, creates this mm-hmm. likability cage that we have to operate from. We, mm-hmm. we can only do and be as much as will allow us to still be likable. And again, it's not our fault. Right. You know, if we look at going back to Maslow's triangle of of, of you know hierarchy of hierarchy needs, needs. Mm-hmm. yeah the base need water food sleep but right above that is safety mm-hmm. safety and above safety is belonging 
Above belonging is self-esteem. Well, mm-hmm. likability is the trifecta. It's got all of us there, mm-hmm. right there. Covers all the basic needs of survival. Mm-hmm. So we come to make this really faulty link, which is that in order to survive and be safe, we have to, I'm going to go one step past likability, we have to abandon ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have to turn ourselves, our authentic self, into something that will be likable. And that's what we believe we have to abandon ourselves to do that. We believe. Yeah. yeah. In the book, what I'm addressing is redefining what does safety look like? Because mm-hmm. safety as likability, right? That I work for you, that your perception of me is positive is a f- failure. That's a mm-hmm. failing form of safety. First of all, it's incredibly fragile. It's changing all the time. And it comes, here's the big deal, at the cost of our standing in our truth. Mm-hmm. of listening to our own still small voice, of our wholeheartedness, of living a life that is in alignment with who we are. Mm-hmm. And so part of the healing is being willing to risk. And I and I lay out the steps to some degree in how we do this, the boots on the ground, choices and behaviors that go into being willing to risk. Standing in my truth, even if it means disappointing someone mm. else or someone else not getting the version of me they would like me to be. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and I even feel like the little girl in me just being like crouching. And and I've done decades of work, right? I've done decades and yeah, decades of yeah. work, but it's still like, for me, I feel like I hear and feel that little girl crouching. And then my training then says, take a deep breath. And then- begin again, right? Yeah. Like you've got this, like you've yeah. got this. Yeah. Let's go. Right. And it's funny don't, hide. Do. don't hide. Don't hide. Don't hide. But we can really, thanks to wonderful feminist psychologists like Carol Gilgan and Brown, these people, we can really track when this idea that I'm safer if I'm likable Mm-hmm. crystallizes and becomes behavior right around the tween years. And if you have mm-hmm. daughters or nieces mm-hmm. or granddaughters, whatever, in mm-hmm. that range, that is the time where we see the deal with inauthenticity get made. Mm-hmm. That being in relationship is more important than being known. That mm-hmm. being in relationship with other people is more important than being in a relationship with myself. Mm -hmm. Having a relationship is more important than having a self. Mm -hmm. But what happens is that tween who makes that deal that to protect myself, I have to abandon myself, right? I have to not know I'm safest if I don't know my truth, right? That she becomes a 20 something, a 30, 40, 50, 60. And often that split is never healed. Mm-hmm. And then we wake up and we wonder whose life this has been. Mm-hmm. Even when it's filled with all these yummy things, it's all been about taking care of other people's needs, playing the role and enjoying it. Mm-hmm. But there's another independent self that got left a long time ago. 
Mm-hmm. No, we have a family friend whose daughter is going into sixth grade and I have, um, I have one in college and one in, uh, in high school. And we were talking about her going into sixth grade and both my daughters were like, Oh, yeah. he's going into the belly of the beast right yes. now. Are you kidding? Yes. Yes, it is. And that's part of it because right in that time frame, you know, kids, little girls before 12, they speak up. They're not afraid. Mm-hmm. They they haven't started mm-hmm. the shape-shifting process in with the same intensity. And that deal with the cultural devil, if you will, really gets crystallized. And so we want to be really mindful as parents and, 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 you know, aunts and all of it to do what we can do to keep these young women in touch with their truth Mm. and that you can survive not being everything to everyone. And guess what? The other person will survive too. Mm. just like we deal with disappointment all the time and seem to manage we have some expectation that no one else can be disappointed why not mm-hmm. 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 well i think believing that and knowing that is is such the such the challenge and and i do believe every single one of us can go back to that sixth grader within us and and begin from there Right. It requires beginning from there and then moving forward. Something that you said to start was one of my like extra, extra stars because I loved it so much in your book. Um, you described in the very beginning your client saying that you were tired down to the bone marrow. Do you mind retelling, or I can read it to the gazelle story? Because I thought that was just so beautiful. It was read so it. Absolutely um, wonderful. And let's see which page it's on. Um, It makes me cry every time. I know. It was so, so good. Like gazelle. Where the gazelle is is hit by the arrow. Mm -hmm. I'll tell it. I'll go ahead and tell it when you find it. But it's a story of a, a gazelle, wild gazelle, that early on in its life smells a scent. A perfume that takes its breath away and it spends its life searching for that scent. And it goes high and low. It leaves its mother. It does whatever it needs to do to try and find it. And then one day that gazelle is hit by an arrow of a hunter and with its flank split open and the arrow there it it's going to make me cry. It, it mm. smells the scent that it had been searching for its entire life, emanating from inside herself. And that is, that is what this is about. This is mm. about coming home to ourselves, coming home where we've been chasing, you know, part of what the self-care industry, as lovely as it is, sort of, encourages, if you will, is that there is some answer outside of us, Mm -hmm. a better manicure, pedicure, Mm -hmm. you know, a better cashmere blanket, a Mm -hmm. better massage. Yeah, I think it encourages, the self-care industry encourages busyness and the healing antidote to what we're seeking is the opposite of busy. That's right. That's right. And it, it also, in some way, if you really break it down, well, for one thing, Real self-care is not about what you buy or do. Mm -hmm. It's 
about being self-caring. I mean, imagine we have a self-care market that believes (laughs) it's okay to need a post-it note on your computer (laughs) to remind you that you matter. That, that to me is insane. Imagine mm-hmm. needing that for your kids or your partner or your friends. It, mm-hmm. But it's somehow this idea that well, what's happened, you know, self-care has become something else women have to put on their to-do list, mm-hmm. right? Are you mm-hmm. self-caring? Probably not. It's another reason we're to blame for mm-hmm. any kind of depletion we feel. And really at the end of the day, Erin, self-care is code for self-improvement. Mm-hmm. I loved when you addressed that in the book, in your book that you talked about, it was self-criticism. It was self-criticism and self-conditioning and self-correcting, I think is how you phrased it was. It was code for self-correcting. And I think that inherently leads us to this belief that we are flawed. And that actually leads me to one thing that I actually wrote down that I said I absolutely had to read because I think you wrote it so gorgeously that it was what every every child needed to hear. Mm. <laughs> read out loud. Look at I literally <laughs> even in bold must read out loud. Page read 50, page 51 if you have the book in front of you. <laughs> Go for it. Oh my gosh. See, you cried before. I'm going to cry now. (laughs) It says, but am I worth it really? Perhaps the most important truth you can learn in your childhood home is that you are fundamentally deserving of love and that your worth is not because of anything you do accomplish or offer and not something you have to earn or prove your value is inherent to who you are inarguable and irrevocable simply because you are. Nurturing the knowing in a child is in fact the most important aspect of caretaking. Mm. Makes you teary. It does. Well, and I just feel like so, and don't get me wrong. I am a constant audible listener. (laughs) I, I have a book running all the time. I'm a forever student. And certainly I have listened to a lot of parenting books as well. But I feel like so many of them are task driven and they offer great tools and techniques. So certainly perspective is so helpful. There's always so many great techniques, but I feel like if we implement all of these different techniques, but lose this, I think this is at the core of each one of us is knowing that we are whole and complete. And I do believe that comes back to that inner child, when the inner child knows and understands and feels whole and complete, then we emanate this whole and complete experience into the world. And then ultimately attract that whole and complete experience back into our life. Well said, beautifully said. And I will add to that, that part of the difficulty that arises from this idea that uh, we have to be likable we have to get others to like us, to be safe, is this relationship with ourselves that then forms where we, our inner child, our true self, our still small voice, doesn't matter what you call it, our truth, has Mm. to be managed. And Mm. that there are acceptable parts of it and unacceptable parts, lovable parts and unlovable parts. And 
part of the healing or maybe the whole enchilada of the healing is, you know, Rumi's guest house, right? Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Every part of us as a house guest and this shift in our relationship with self so that we welcome the whole miracle and catastrophe that we are. Mm-hmm. All of <laughs> oh, I love that. I have to write that down. <laughs> And not that this part will get us into trouble and that part will get us ostracized and this part will be okay. And that part will be like that way of living split off, if you will, from our truth and managing and controlling our truth and then expecting ourselves to be vital and be authentic, right? You be you. How? How? Right. Right. So it is about ultimately healing this relationship with all of our parts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And welcoming and loving each part of those. Um, I think I my other read out loud part that I had on here on page 102 was the keys of awareness and attitude. And so you had said the two most important ingredients in potent and enduring self-care are awareness an attitude before anything can change. You must be willing to acknowledge what's happening inside your own mind, heart, and body. You must be ready to accept your reality as your reality, whether you want it as your reality or not. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so powerful and so right on because so many of us don't accept where we are. So we don't have a, an accurate starting point when we can acknowledge where we are and love and accept where we are, that it's okay that we're angry about something. It's okay that we're upset about something. Um, But how are you managing that? Are you allowing that to limit your choices or are you accepting that and moving forward from that, from that place and what's underneath that anger, right. And all the therapy I've done, I've learned anger is really just really hurt feelings. So where are you hurt and how can you heal that hurt so that you're no longer angry? And, and, you know, part of the clarification I always want to make in that regard is because we accept that this is where I am does not mean we like it Mm. or that we Mm -hmm. want it. You know, so often I get people saying to me, yeah, two things. One, well, if I accept it, it'll never change. It's the opposite. If we don't <laughs> start from where we are, well, n- nothing can change because we're starting from a faulty, false place. So mm-hmm. that's one. But the mm-hmm. second thing is people have a false idea that by accepting it, or I don't even like the word accepting. I like the word allowing it. It's already here. So mm-hmm. you can allow it or you can... Mm-hmm. Fight the fight with reality. But I guarantee you one thing. In a fight with reality, reality is always going to win. Always. Mm-hmm. 100%. The house wins. 100%. <laughs> so in that case, when we're allowing, I am furious. Should I be furious? Irrelevant. Mm-hmm. I'm spend the next you know, six months saying what's wrong with me that I'm furious. I am furious. Let's start there. Right. And when we can do that, we're not saying we like it. We're not saying we wish we were angry, but that's the beginning of the mm-hmm. anger and the rage and whatever it might be that we're rejecting healing. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Get on with the business of saying it is here. Mm-hmm. So for women who are feeling angry and haven't read your book yet and yeah. are making their massage appointment. And again, we're not saying don't make massage appointments. Of oh, course, sure. continue to make the massage appointments. But what would be your first three steps toward uh, feeling more whole and complete right here, right now? So first, go on Amazon, buy the book. That's the yes. first step. <laughs> first. <laughs> so one thing, right, we want to talk, as we just mentioned, just accept where you are. Allow, mm. allow. This is where I am right now. Maybe I have played that role mm-hmm. and I've allowed that I've participated. I've been a kind of part of the conditioning. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and I now, love that you say allow it because it's going to happen anyway. Like it's going to be here anyway. Yeah. So the right. faster you accept it, the the faster you can move That's forward. It. <laughs> when it's pouring rain, we don't spend a tremendous amount of time saying it shouldn't be raining. It's raining. Okay. <laughs> Let's watch, bring an umbrella. Bring Great an analogy. Umbrella. Great analogy. But if, we, <laughs> if we look at something that we can start to do, you know, I have a number of steps in the book, but even if it's just a, a baby step, look, we didn't get this way overnight and we don't hear it overnight. But if we just, one thing women do that contributes to the abandonment of self and the continuation of this resentment and so on and exhaustion and depletion and bone marrow uh, depletion is we take the blame for everything. Mm-hmm. We make everything our fault. Mm-hmm. And we hold leftover from our early conditioning a belief that it is our responsibility to fix whatever is not working mm-hmm. in our life. And that goes for absolutely everyone else's life. So if we just start to pay attention to, can I tolerate getting okay with not okay? Can I actually empathize with someone's experience without feeling it's my responsibility to do anything about it? Mm -hmm. That's a beginning step. We can also start to notice, for example, how much of my life is driven by should, right? How, How much have I turned away and stopped inviting want into mm. the picture how right. trading trading want for should right that's mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and then the rest of our life lays out and we haven't asked ourselves i had a woman in my office last week and she won a teaching award for a primary school and the the stipulation on getting the award was $10,000, but she had to spend it on herself. What did she want? It couldn't be on anyone else. That was a stipulation as a knowing teachers, right? The school set up and guess what she did. She gave the money back. No, no, this is the norm. This is the norm. So we can start to pay attention to, we've turned away. from want, that when I ask women, what is it you really want? It's a blank space. They know what they want for everyone else, which will make them feel good as a partner, as a mother, as a sister, Mm -hmm. as a friend, but they have no idea. It's so long been lost. Mm -hmm. So start inviting want. The other thing that I love suggesting to women, which are just some of the small steps, start telling the truth. 
Notice how often you manage someone else's experience. So you just maybe you tweak your truth or you sweeten it or you you kind of distort it all to create a result that ultimately will make you what they want. Right. Mm-hmm. Start to pay attention to all the ways you do that and see if in little tiny baby ways you can start to take the risk that it is, for example, a woman came in my office recently and she said, I asked for more milk in my coffee because I wanted it. <laughs> I told the truth when she said, is this fine? I did. Another woman, you know, who asked for a uh, pillow from the flight attendant that she could put behind her head, even though that made her a bother. She took the risk. Another woman who, when her partner said, you know, it's okay that we're not going to celebrate your 40th on your 40th. She said, I'd like it to be celebrated on my 40th. Actually, Mm -hmm. these little baby steps, they're not baby. They're epic of Mm. saying what's true and testing this theory that everyone will die. Mm-hmm. Right. See what it feels like to be authentic in your truth, in your own shoes, and then see what happens if you don't manage the results. Mm-hmm. And like literally taking yourself off the to-do list because you shouldn't have ever been on the to-do list. Like you are, you are the paper, you are everything. Oh, like you shouldn't be on the to-do list. It should never be a to-do. Like it should just be inherent in you. That's it. Where you are loving you. Mm-hmm. So you don't, you're not split off like that 12 year old right. from self-managing her in right. order to be safe. Right. Right. To stop tasking on yourself right. And, right. and start loving on yourself instead. and shooting ourselves. And shooting on ourselves. Literally. <laughs> oh, yeah. And once we become aware of how, sort of insidiously we abandon ourselves Mm. to keep the status quo, to keep everything, to keep the relationships intact, to keep ourselves as that great woman, you know, who Mm -hmm. who everyone likes. When we see how often we throw ourselves under the bus or don't consult our wisdom, our great Mm -hmm. wisdom, Mm -hmm. that we really do know what we need underneath if we start listening again. Right. we, We stop being willing to do that. Right. Well, and I know more than a decade ago, I'm a helper. I'm an Enneagram too. So I'm I'm a helper. I I want to help. I give, I thrive in helping. I love helping. But a friend of mine one day, I mean, this is more than a decade ago. She said, but do people want your help? And, you know, at first I was like, of course they want my help. Like I'm so helpful. And then she said, I want you to think about how much energy you are putting toward helping other people. And do they even take that advice? Like, are you just giving advice that they're not taking? And can you look at that? You're spending your energy that way. And if you can pause and choose to, you know, one, either ask them, do you want advice or two, like recognize the energy that you're wasting just in giving advice that's not wanted or, or not implemented. And just looking at that energy experience, I have drawn back so much of my own energy and kept so much more for myself by not wasting it on people who didn't ask for it or want it anyway. But here I thought I was being helpful, but instead I now ask like, Oh, well, do you want any, do you want any guidance on that? Like I've studied that a ton. Like, 
do you want any guidance? And you know, if they say no, no problem, like mm-hmm. but I also say like, I don't want to tell you or spend all this energy explaining it to you. If you have no intention of, of doing anything with it, like I don't, you know, I honoring my own self that way. And to me, that was like a huge shift in honoring myself and my time and my energy and, and maintaining that for myself. And I think you're spot on there in the, in the sense that, you know, who are we, right? When we wake up, we realize that we've been operating and again, not, not at fault for this, but with a sense of arrogance that we know. Right. (laughs) Imagine about what's best for another. Yes, mm-hmm. when our children are young, we need to do that. But we do that with a blanket approach that we mm-hmm. have. When when you really allow someone the dignity of their own wisdom, mm-hmm. our, our role is not to, the guiding them is more about us. It's more about our need to help, right? Mm-hmm. Give the other person, wow. I don't know what's best for them. When we really know that, life becomes so much simpler and so much less effort-filled. Mm-hmm. We we give everyone else's life back to them. Mm-hmm. And you know what's interesting is when you're not in that role, fix it, fix it, fix it. It's my job to fix it. We actually develop real empathy because then we're listening not to fix from anxiety. But we're listening to really understand. So mm-hmm. that's something people can practice too, which is start listening to understand what is this like for you? I don't know what your reality is, no matter how well I know you. Mm-hmm. So it, educate me. When we listen from there, that's where real empathy is born. And I'll tell you one other thing too is most people, and I say this with 100% certainty, just want to be heard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't want advice. Yep. <laughs> really, they've heard all the yep. advice. In fact, they know what they should do. They just want to be heard. So yeah. And heard advice. and held. I think heard and held. Of course. Hel- heard without judgment, which mm-hmm. is to say, let me mm-hmm. just walk in your shoes this yeah. moment. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is so great. I know you are tight on time. So I want to be respectful of, of your time. I feel like um, we could talk all day. I know. I really feel like we could, we could just keep going. I have, I mean, look at, look at all of my, <laughs> look at all my notes. I only got two of them. So. Well, I can always come back, but it's a lot more in that. the book. Yeah. I would love that. I mean, I think what you are doing is so great. I think there's so many women that need what you're teaching that need to hear that they, and I love that the dignity, you know, tapping into the dignity of their own wisdom. And I know you talk about that in your book as well, like listening to ourselves and knowing that we have this guiding principle and this guiding voice that is telling us to pause and just bask in our own glory and love and just being at home, like you said, being at home with ourselves. And You're so, the destination. Yeah, I loved that. Absolutely. So well, thank you for guiding women to their destination of themselves, because I think that's so, so necessary and so needed. So yeah. thank you. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find more of you, more of your guidance, and and then we will close up. So the book, Emotionally Exhausted Woman, everywhere books are sold. And 
My website is nancycollier.com and it's with one L, which everyone misspells. And I'm doing a lot of workshops, Omega, Kripalu, Art of Living, um, all around the country on just this topic about coming home. Mm. And so take a look at the website, get the book and reach out. I I love to interact with people and also hear their feedback and and what's changing for them. Mm. So I know book clubs, a lot of women are doing book clubs because this is such a collective experience. Yes. So join with other sisters of, you know, we all walk through this often alone. Mm-hmm. Well, I will definitely be adding this to the Love, Heal, Thrive book club. So we have a, a monthly, a monthly uh, book club. So I just, I think what you're doing is so great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for guiding us home and um, showing us the way. And I'm just so grateful for your time today. Thank you Absolutely. so much to be continued. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this incredible conversation. Be sure to buy The Emotionally Exhausted Woman. Many more books are sold. And be sure to follow and comment. We'd love to hear how are you going to take better care of yourself this week? And of course, join our newsletter at lovehealthrive.com so you can love yourself enough to heal and heal yourself enough to thrive. Take care. Take care.